lo and behold, I discovered house music, um, trance, progressive, melodic stuff, and I was hooked. I remember I literally stood in the front row until like probably 5 a.m. in the morning, um, just mesmerized. Now, half of it was the pure passion for the music, and half of it was probably the things that I <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Couple of Lattes and welcome to all the newbies who have just joined the show. I hope you've hit subscribe and I hope you've taken a little tiny bit of time to leave a five star rating if you're using Apple Podcasts. Every rating and every review more specifically really helps the podcast reach more listeners and I'm pretty certain that the conversations we're having, although some of them may be considered taboo, um, are conversations that will inspire people to come out of their shells, to be who they are, and to inspire them to take back their power. So if you get the time, please leave a five-star rating. Please leave a review if you have even more time. And let's crack into this week's podcast. So this week, I get to sit down with my hero, my brother, um, one of the loves of my life, a uh, person I care about so, so much. His name is Paolo Massey. You may recognize him as the other head on the logo for Couple of Lattes. And I'm super excited about this podcast because I've wanted to get my brother on the podcast for a really long time. And today we get to sit down and have our first of what I hope is many podcast conversations. Today we talk about imposter syndrome, how that's impacted Paolo's life, how he's learned to accept it, and how he's now learning to grow out of it and become more of the person that he wants to be rather than being the person that others expect him to be. So I'm super excited to sit down with my brother in today's podcast. Thank you guys once again for listening and let's crack into it. <laughs> yeah for anyone who's listening to this right now the podcast setup we have is fantastic there is a dji drone bag with a candle in it is that a candle yeah it's to weigh it weigh it down weighing it down so that the microphone can it's stand. not it's not like a skinny candle it's a actually fat, it's a fat candle. i'm gonna take a photo now i'm remembering anyway hey you know what's pretty cool about today's podcast pal uh, what's that people actually get to meet the other latte uh, all right <laughs> all right you sound like a radio announcer right <laughs> have you been on a radio show recently uh no <laughs> you have oh yeah no i actually have <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> um okay so let's crack into it obviously uh, we know who we are because we shared a womb together shout out to mom if you're out there listening yeah, that was real nice of you to do that for us yeah, thanks, Mum. <laughs> thanks for holding us in the womb. But uh, yeah, we spent pretty much our entire lives together in some capacity because we're twins, and apparently twins are connected by the brain. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, we're both uh, fairly special individuals. So. <laughs> but uh, for people listening, uh, wondering who this other face on the cup, on the logo of the Couple of Lattes podcast is, aka Paolo, it let's may. do... Me. Yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do like let's pretend you've just jumped in the elevator and someone's like hey who are you guy <laughs> don't fart <laughs> okay let's let's tell people who's pilot uh i am shark's brother 
It's a pretty broad question. Um, well, let's let's talk about like the basics, like you know where you grew up, what you did in your early days, what were kind of the big highlights and lowlights, and who you are now, like what what you do with your life and the things you're passionate about. All right, so you want my life story? Yeah, in, in an <laughs> elevator pitch. Though. In an elevator pitch. All right, so uh, can we do it like in a boardroom style with, with some powerpoints? Look, no one can see the powerpoints, <laughs> okay. mate. Uh, well, you've probably heard the uh, the life story spiel before if you're an avid listener of the Couple of Lattes podcast. I'm sure Jacques's been through it. Um, but for those of you who don't and who are just meeting me, uh, we were... I Hello. was, <laughs> I was and we were born in South Africa, Johannesburg. Um, and we are the son of a Portuguese national. So we're half Portuguese. Uh, he has our biological father. Uh, we grew up between um, Portugal and South Africa, mainly South Africa. Spent a bit of time in Portugal, kind of school there a bit. And uh, we immigrated to New Zealand when we were, how old were we? About, Probably about 10, I think. Yeah, about, about 10, I think. we about, Around that age, we immigrated fully to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Go the Kiwis. Yes, love New Zealand. Yeah. Got my cotty on. Yeah, so. Another shout out to mum. She's gotten two shout outs in five minutes. Just probably getting a few more. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we um, we spent our most of our um, you know adolescent years in New Zealand, growing up there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah, and then went to school there. Let's fast forward to I guess one of the first big choices you made to move to Australia. Why did that come about? Man, and what were the kind of fuck ups and the opportunities that presented themselves? Because I was treading water big time. Like I went through school, never applied myself. Um, I didn't fit in all that well. It was always, I think it was because we moved around so much when we were younger. Mm. I never really felt like I fit in with any one group of people. Kind of really hard to make um, make like real friends. I was always mm. kind of like bouncing around between friend groups. Um, so I never really had like a solid network of people to fall back on. Um, and I wasn't actually that close with you either, um, at that time. Um, no, we drifted apart quite substantially when I went to them. Actually in high school, really. Yeah, in high school. I think that was my fault. I thought I was way too cool. I think it was both of our faults in some capacity. Yeah. Um, I remember, I remember actually one time you were with that cool clique and they were like running around tackling people in the field and drawing dicks on their faces. I'm pretty sure I got tackled and got a dick draw on my face. Yeah. Yeah, we were fucking... <laughs> Kids are so shit. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm actually... I'm not embarrassed, but I was like looking back at it, I'm like, fuck, man, I was such an ass. <laughs> I think a lot of people look back on when they were a child and they're like, wow, like, I was really mean to a lot of people. And it's just this fact that we don't understand each other's feelings. You know you know what, actually? Like, I don't, I don't regret many things, but there is one moment that I think about a lot, which mm. I do regret. And it was actually, we were, it was you and I, and I'd been invited around to um, this guy's house. Um, I think it was, I think his name was Shane. Um, And you'd asked if you could come with, and you had got in the shower to get ready, and I thought I was too cool, so I fucking left. Really? Yeah, while you were getting ready. And I left, and I went there by myself. And ditched you. And, uh, <laughs> I don't even remember that. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It's probably a very hurtful thing. Uh, so you probably pushed that to the side, being like, "That no, Paolo would never do that to me." But yeah, I did, and um, I ditched you, and left you at home, and then 
I still think about that to this day and think, wow, what a fucking piece of shit. Like, I really, well, I really regret doing that. Well, there you go. Well, you don't need to worry because I totally forgive you for that because I actually can't even remember it. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anyway, so let's fast forward. You kind of had a bit of struggles fitting in, which I think a lot of people do when they're teenagers and you're a bit yeah. of an asshole, but that's also a normal thing when you're a teenager. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why did you move to Australia? Uh, yeah, well, because I was I was dating someone at the time. Um, like the relationship was good, but we were young and it was very volatile. Mm. Um, not so much between ourselves, but just like you know, the world was against both of us, and nothing was our faults. And you know, I think we both wanted to support each other, but we also wanted to do our own thing. And you didn't really know how to navigate that, and yeah, so, I mean, there was that going on, and we both ended up deciding to do what was best for us, and for me, that was moving to Australia, and for her, that was staying in New Zealand, and, yeah, I just, I was in the wrong industry, I didn't know it at the time, but I just followed what careers, the advice careers counsellors had given me at school, mm. because I was um, a no-hoper and didn't didn't apply myself so they're like yeah go be a builder i was like okay cool i can fucking hit shit with a hammer thanks school system (laughs) once again (laughs) so i actually moved over here for the construction because we um we'd actually had a um a dog together as well and oh man bless it but it um ended up needing it was like all up it was probably like 15 grand's worth of surgery Mm. um and i was like shit i can't save for this in new zealand so i'm gonna go chase down some dollar dues in Australia, because mm. the money here is, um, the pay rates are much better. So, yeah, I ended up moving over to central Queensland to Gladstone. Hello to all my Gladstone friends and family. <laughs> uh, I worked at the Gladstone Yacht Club, um, what was Bojangles, which is now my place. A little bit, not really, but um, there's a solid crew down there. Mm-hmm. Hello to Aiden and Stephen and Chanel. Hey, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm linked up with a, um, an amazing guy called uh, Farhan. He's actually the cousin of um, one of my good friends from Melbourne, um, Faisal. Um, so hello to you too as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Farhan actually helped me out a lot. He got me a job at the Gladstone Yacht Club, working there. Uh, and that's where I discovered hospitality. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, Gladstone was interesting. It was a very, um, it was almost like I'd call it like a limbo. Um, have you ever watched Inception? Yeah, I've definitely watched Inception. <laughs> you know when you go to like, um, like rot, like up raw subconscious, like unmade dream space uh. limbo. Yeah, it was like that. It was just like this surreal town where everything was ex- extremely outlandishly strange to me. Yeah, right. Um, and like nothing felt real because mm. um, I think it was just like a place for me to run away from all my problems. Yeah, right. Um. So yeah, I mean that's that's really the reasons why I moved to Australia anyway. You're kind of running away from a situation. Oh yeah. Yeah. So let's let's fast forward. You're kind of doing what you don't want to do, and then you fall into hospitality by some beautiful twist of the universe, and then hospitality leads to music. Yeah. Well, I was always I was always like I always actually I can pick pinpoint the the moment that music came into my life in this capacity. Mm. Um. I'd, I'd lost contact with easily my best friend, uh, Sean. Mm-hmm. Sean Lenahan. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shout out. Love you, buddy. Um, I'd lost contact with him for a couple of years, uh, probably through my own, well, definitely through my own fault. 
Um, but we'd reconnected very recently and um, it was probably about 18, 19, thereabouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we went to a, he invited me to uh, an event um, which was, I think it was our house at the Green Lane Showgrounds. This is in Auckland? Yeah, in Auckland yeah. City. And um, it was a Cosmic Gate show. Now, I didn't know what the fuck Cosmic Gate was at the time. I thought it was like the name of the the um, the show or something. Yeah. I don't know. But it was actually a, a trance, um, uh, trance act. Um, and I went there and lo and behold, I discovered house music. Um, trance, progressive, melodic stuff, and I was hooked. I remember I was literally stood in the front row until like probably 5 a.m. in the morning, mm. um, just mesmerized. Now, half of it was the pure passion for the music, and half of it was probably the pingers that I'd taken. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually about to ask how many pingers got you through to 5 a.m.? Uh, yeah, so I mean, but definitely from then on, I was hooked, and um, soon after that, Sean bought a, a, a DJ console set up, so I was around at his place heaps. Um, just learning how to mix music together and mm. yeah soon after that probably within a year I'd risk, like started playing a couple of um, sporadic gigs around Auckland City nothing crazy but it was like you know very very young um, you know post teenage early 20s mm. um, oh yeah I'm rocking a DJ in clubs in the city <laughs> kind of vibe it was definitely more of like a um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but uh, so that's kind of how I got into that. It was and a passion. <clears throat> yeah, it was definitely more of a passion. It was like, you know, you're just like infatuated with it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, and yeah, never, never left. I went to Gladstone and actually played a couple of, um, you know, played a little bit up there as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where that all fits in. Cool. And I guess fast forward however many years, and you found yourself in Melbourne, and now. For those who are on the club scene, probably already know who you are. You play at Porn & Co. You, well, obviously at the moment everything's shut, but... Yeah, I play, I play in my bedroom. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone from, uh, yeah, yeah, from straight up back to the bedroom. <laughs> but I mean, in normal times, DJ Parlor, you play at Porn & Co., you play at the Emerson, you play at what? Where else? Uh, yeah, all over, all over the place. I mean, Storyville. Yeah, there's a cheeky little plug, I guess, yeah. <laughs> for all the venues, but... um. um lucky enough to be involved in um because i the one thing with music for me is i've never been um how would i say uh i'm not too like too cool for anything mm. i've always had a like a love for all kinds of music whether it's r&b hip-hop commercial techno house i just love learning and understanding new elements to the overall picture of music mm. if that makes sense <clears throat> so by nature i have a very like short kind of attention span so I get bored um, with doing one thing too much. So I tend to like bounce around to all these different genres. And over time, that's worked tremendously in my favor because mm-hmm. um, now I'm, I'm fairly versatile. So I'm employable in a whole bunch of different um, um, demographics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I play, yeah, the, the boys from <clears throat> Keno and Luke. You guys are awesome. <laughs> For the guys down Mate, this is plug on plug yeah, on plug. Plug on plug, man. Plug on plug on plug. Um, so I, I linked up with them through Storyville. Um, started playing at the, the more younger party-driven um, clubs, Flamingo and Code. Um, and then, you know, more like older scenes um, in Crown Casinos, um, the likes of the Emerson, 
um, Morris Jones, um, and some slightly more underground vibey stuff like the music that I really love, uh, Pornico, 29th Apartment, Storyville. Mm. Um, yeah, just all over the place. Um, Spice Market for like real proper R&B like mm. sets. Yeah, just... So for those living in Melbourne, when we do return to these post-COVID times, you can check Palo out at any of those places. And for any of the overseas <laughs> listeners... If, uh, hopefully they're still kicking them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah let's hope. Let's be optimistic. But for anyone who's listening overseas, if you're ever in Melbourne, um, feel free to hit us up. You can find us on Instagram at couple of lattes or at Massey, M-A-S-S-I-E underscore bros. And we can, uh, we, can, bros. Yeah, we can show you where Paolo plays and you can have a good time. But uh, let, let's kind of move on to... Well, if you don't mind, I actually kind of like to just go back to how I kind of moved to Melbourne. Okay, uh, yeah. Because that was fairly interesting. Um I um obviously after living in Gladstone for about a year and a half now, this was a massive moment for me, um, because it was the first time I'd kind of realised that I'd outgrown something and decided to act on it, mm. um, and it wasn't running away from anything. It was just more an ascension, if that makes sense. Instead of running away, you were running towards. Yeah, exactly. Right? I was running towards a challenge rather than mm. running away from something, um, and I literally I'd. Lived in Gladstone for yeah, close to a year and a half. Um, worked there, developed um, friendships um, with some really beautiful people. Um, and I realized that there was nothing else for me there in terms of like my own personal growth. Not, I'm not saying that there was nothing in Gladstone. Like it's a beautiful, beautiful region with some, some, some awesome stuff there. But um, for me and my ambitions and what I wanted to achieve... I was just like, man, I'm not going to be able to do this here. So literally um, within two weeks, I decided, I think it did move very quickly, but I was just like, man, you know what? I'm going to pack up my car and I'm going to, I was tossing up between Gold Coast and Melbourne, mm. but I'd heard the hospitality and the nightlife scene in Melbourne was like one of the best in the world, uh, and especially in the in this part of the world. Um, so I was like, yeah, you know what? I don't know anyone in Melbourne, but fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna move down there. Mm. So I packed up my car, uh, had no plan, had no house, um, had nowhere to stay, didn't know anyone, um, and I drove for <clears throat> probably about twenty four hours straight, mm. um, and arrived in. Do not recommend that, by the way. Yeah, no, no, I definitely took I took, took a couple of naps. Um, there was uh, there was one moment with a kangaroo <laughs> that was a little bit hairy, but um, yeah. but yeah, within. Two days I was down in Melbourne and mm. I went to the nearest backpackers, <clears throat> got myself a room, <clears throat> excuse me, and um, yeah, um, from, the journey. from there I just went to an office works, printed up a whole bunch of CVs, walked the streets mm. <laughs> mm. and um, got a job so that I could uh, had something to be able to get myself a mm. uh, an apartment and the rest history actually visited it. That first apartment when you moved over there. Well, not well visited from Canada. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That was a rundown piece of shit. Yeah, <laughs> did the job. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's one of the that's probably in looking back one of the bravest things and best things you did for yourself, and it set you up for the life you have now, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I've always been, and I think I've been pretty clear to you about this that I look up to you in terms of your work ethic. I think it's incredible, and your ability to once you make a decision like do everything and take every action to achieve it is is a lot of people don't have that yeah thanks man yeah um but and i guess this is a good little segue into what we're actually going to talk about so for most people when they look at you 
and I would say any friends and family listening to this now would not consider you someone who suffers from imposter syndrome. So let's just quickly, before we go into it, imposter syndrome, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not, basically the idea that you're never good enough for something. Yeah, it's the it's the, the idea that you're, you're not um, good enough, um, that you, you're kind of, you feel like you're a fraud in a way, but even mm. it doesn't matter how talented or how good you are at something, you're always kind of waiting for someone to call you out and be like, oh man, I'm fucking you, shit, that's not how you do something. You know, it's just kind of your, it's the idea that you have that other people think that you're not good enough or you are full of shit, mm. if mm. that makes sense, mm. in, in layman's terms. Yeah, cool. And yeah, I guess in line with what I was saying, I didn't think that you were someone that would consider themselves an imposter or a fraud, considering when I first came to Melbourne, I was like, wow, Paolo's doing really well for himself. Like, he looks really successful. He's got a good connection. And I think for a lot of people looking from the outside in, they wouldn't have seen that. So let's dive deep now that we kind of have an understanding of imposter syndrome. First of all, is this something that you've suffered with in the past? And in fact, you're still working through now. And secondly, what specific moments do you think made you feel as though you're a fraud in the things that you do? I think um, <clears throat> I think it's very interesting. Like I'm definitely not. It's not not an issue anymore. I think it ties into like it's 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 a part of a, a whole lot of un, other underlying issues, um, especially when you when you're talking about your mental state and um, your like how comfortable you are with yourself as a person. Yeah. Um, the things that, the, when it really started happening was, uh, I think 23, 24, like mid twenties when I just decided to shift careers. Um, and more so when I, when I moved down to Melbourne, um, trying to develop new friendships and networks and break into an industry fairly late, um, in terms of like, like when you when you move somewhere and you don't know anyone and you're trying to move into a completely new industry and chase down something that you really love, um, just purely out of passion with not a whole lot of like professional backing or experience in the past, then I think that's kind of where a lot of it stemmed from. Mm. Just this like this feeling that you're just fumbling your way through just hoping to stumble onto like little nuggets of gold that take you onto the, the next um the next level if that makes sense mm. you're really just making things up as you go along and you like I, and most people are probably like that um to a degree but you don't think about what other people are going through you're only concerned with yourself mm. and you're like fuck man like everyone else like walking around in suits in their office buildings you know making whatever 150 200k a year on their salary like their corporate salary packages and here you are you know working in a bar part-time trying to chase your dreams and you're like fuck man like jesus christ i'm so full of shit what am i doing yeah (laughs) so do you think imposter syndrome in a way stems from how people perceive them how people perceive that other people perceive them yes 100 percent. i think it's more of a like an entrepreneurial creative type um thing as well i think that when you're trying to create new things or you're like going into uncharted territory that you're not familiar with or that you've 
Like, I literally studied nothing to do with anything that I'm doing now. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, another shout out to schooling and education. So it was fucking terrifying. Like, being like, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, actually, no, I lie. When I, this is a little way into, like, my time in Melbourne, I decided to go and study graphic design. And that was purely just because I'd been doing it so long and I was starting to do it semi-professionally for people. I was like, fuck, I better actually, like, learn how to use this stuff properly because people are paying me money now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that was, I think that was my, the, 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 the imposter syndrome rearing its head and being like, bro, you should actually maybe get a qualification about this, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just so in case anyone asks that you can actually be like, well, actually, yes, no, I did study it, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Do you feel as well that, like a, a lot of people feel the same way. I think imposter syndrome is so yes. much more common than people <clears throat> That's what think. I'm saying, like 100%. That, and that's why I'm talking about this. Not because it's a massive issue in my life um, now anyway, but because like those feelings over like a five-year period of constantly feeling like like you're, you have no idea what the fuck you're doing and that you're like, you know, it's terrifying. Like, yeah. It's terrifying. And I just want people to realize that Probably a lot of people feel that way. Mm. Um, so why do you think people have this need to pretend that they're not? that Because a, a lot of times when you meet someone, they'll talk about how great they are and how good they're doing. And they won't actually dig into and be honest with themselves. Like, actually, you know what? Like, I'm really afraid at the moment. Like, I'm in a new job. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm overwhelmed. Why do you think people are so scared to admit I, that and deal uh, with it? It's, I think there's a number of reasons, but... Um, depends what context you put it in like if you're talking professionally into the people that you're like dealing with on a day-to-day basis especially the people that you're working for or trying to um generate work from like you can't exactly go in there like shake the hand and be like well you know what really i don't actually know too much about what i'm doing um but you should definitely like give me some cash and i'll figure it out yeah yeah. that doesn't exactly break confidence with anyone who's looking Mm. to employ anyone um on a personal level um with family and friends uh it's very tough um to talk about or be vulnerable in any way and sometimes it's it's easy it's it's easy to like hide those feelings and pretend you're okay mm. um which is what i did for a long time mm. and that led down a terrible road <laughs> for a, for a few different reasons but um yeah it's it's like especially from a male's perspective as well it's it's almost it things is starting to shift now but there's always been the stigma around male vulnerability mm. um like you kind of you're almost conditioned to feel like you need to be strong and powerful and mm. nothing like everything is water off the duck's back it just bounces off you like you know yeah there's an expectation <clears throat> that yeah. you 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 don't feel vulnerable and you don't feel as though you are weak at any time. You're just a big, powerful you ever, man. You ever seen that fucking, that meme of that like dog just sitting there on a chair and he's like sipping some coffee and it's just like everything is fine, but the house is on fire around him. That's <laughs> <laughs> literally what I felt like for years. I guess that's, that's, I guess that's imposter syndrome, right? Like externally people see like you look fine, but internally you're just telling yourself that you're not good enough. House on fire, baby. Yeah, house on fire. <laughs> Okay, moving on, I guess one of the things that intrigues me about people who suffer from imposter syndrome or any sort of self-doubt is I feel like a lot of it stems from a much earlier place in childhood. So do you think that's true for you? And if so, what do you think it was about childhood that 
set you down a path of doubting yourself and your strength and your not being able to admit to vulnerabilities and work through them. Yeah, so I mean, 100%, I think it it definitely stems from, um, well, me personally, yes, it stems from my childhood, um, our childhood. Um, our We didn't really have a very strong um, male uh, role model in our lives. Um, our father was very abusive um, and we lived through a very volatile upbringing. Mm. Um, when um, my mother did have the courage to, you know, um, make a move to get us away and out of that environment, we're already, you know, 11, 12, 11 years old. So, I mean, we'd already gone through this period of, you know, psychological and mental development. Um, so that was kind of the norm for us. And there wasn't a lot of, um, you know, it was a very oppressive um, environment to grow up and you know everything was wrong like you're always being punished you're always being you know like anything you did no matter what it was like simple or complex as a as a child growing up there was never a lot of positivity um so you always kind of felt like every move you're making was wrong in a way mm. so it was very tough to figure out or you know have the encouragement or confidence to try new things or step outside of that kind of realm and be confident and you know certain about what you're what you're doing yeah. um especially growing up into later years you know um my mother did eventually remarry um to our, our stepfather well our father now neil um shout out shout out <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um but um you know like he was, I can understand his role, especially coming into a family um, and trying to provide support um, to someone who has two children, mm. um, twins especially. And I can understand he must have felt... Um, a little bit like an imposter too, right? Yeah, I know. Exactly. 100%. Can you imagine how tough it would be for anyone trying to become someone else's father? Mm. Like, that mm. must be incredibly challenging. So, I mean, the 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 strength or that kind of you know um well how would you say it like that the genuine um you know i'm not too sure how to word this um that that genuine connection that uh, a son would have with his real father who was you know um there through those adolescent years um as would be i'd imagine would be very different i i, I wouldn't i wouldn't know either of them <laughs> yeah, yeah. i wouldn't know what that's like anyway but i'd imagine that'd be very different to the connection that you know you'd fit you'd develop over you know these years with someone who was now just coming into your life mm. even though you know you're trying to build those relationships i imagine it's a very different dynamic um so, yeah i mean like a biological father would have had well, over a decade of yeah, getting to know exactly. someone and then a, a new person comes into your life you've still got to take years to get yeah exactly and just, by that just, stage i guess the, the meet, damage is kind of done yeah, exactly you're meeting them when you're 12 years old so you're like oh hey my name's paolo oh hello my name's neil <laughs> fantastic yes we have a cup of, a cup of tea or something like, yeah. how do we do how do we do this um so that was like obviously now we're very close um, but at that time, you know, especially growing into your teenage years and being a moody little fucking shit, <laughs> yeah, yeah, moody little shit as well. Like, uh, it's, it's incredibly challenging. 
um, for either party to, to build that relationship. So there was never really a strong um, supportive um, male figure male figure mm. um, in any, any respect. So that, you know, definitely, and I didn't see it at the time, um, but that definitely, looking back now, played probably the biggest part to, um, to anything that I've had to deal with later on in life. It was a big contributor to the imposter syndrome and then subsequent bouts of depression and anxiety etc etc yeah yeah 100 percent. and obviously you know the it's 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 the the root cause of of a lot of the the what i what i what i feel are the negative um qualities that i've kind of developed Mm -hmm. over the years um but that you're now a testament to you yourself and your your strength learning to um change and learning to accept and and move forward, right? Mm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think accept is a is the key word there yeah. um, because before I was able to accept, it was more a blame game and um, like this, I was like hiding from myself in a way. Mm. That's the ego, right? It, it likes to blame and allow you to still be comfortable because it's uncomfortable to accept responsibility. Yeah, man, 100%. Like I was always like, because I always put myself on this pedestal in a way that i was this i was a good good person mm, i was mm. i wouldn't do anything bad i wouldn't hurt anyone but man i was looking back i did some terrible things to mm, people mm, like mm. i hurt people i cheated on people i lied to people mm. and it, it it was man like actually getting to a point where i accepted those things and took responsibility for doing that to people was very powerful mm, um mm. before i just kind of like slowly wrap myself up in blanket after blanket mm. coddling myself and telling myself I was a good human mm. and not accepting these parts of me and trying to understand why I was doing them but in accepting those things and looking back for the cause and understanding going back to where the root of the problem was it's like pulling out a weed at the roots mm. you know? like it stops growing and that's probably the most powerful um probably yeah the most powerful sort of um effect of accepting yeah 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 it's like these things no longer happen and if they start to happen like if i start thinking about like like there's been times recently where i've been like oh fuck should i just lie to this person like it'd be super easy just to just to like make up a little tall story i'm like actually like why like how is that gonna serve why the fuck am i gonna like what do they care if I fucking like if I'm like actually tell them what I'm doing or say no because it's the actual reason that I'm I don't want to do something or yeah, yeah. you know like what's the point? And like, if they do care, then that's not on you. It's exactly. On them. <laughs> and there's it, once you once you free yourself from all these things, like no one really has. Any, it's that feeling not not so much that anyone has any power over you, but the the power your ego had over yourself because it's like oh hey I know all these things about you that no one else knows. Yeah. But once you like release them. Mm. Um, then you're almost freed from that prison. I guess moving on to like people's opinions, because I think a lot of the time in imposter syndrome, uh, people's opinions play a huge role in how you show up to things and how you deal with feeling as as if you're a fraud. Do you yeah. think that happened for you? Yeah, it's fuel fuel for the fire. Um, the fire is um, obviously you know comes from within <laughs> but um i mean the, the the fear of what other people think 
um, about you and what you're doing and what you're, you're capable of is is a huge role, uh, plays a huge role in, in um, how how bad you feel about, you know, yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, like, it's not necessarily, like, a bad thing because, you know, you, you receive praise a lot, um, especially these days when pe- people are trying to you know, pump each other up, especially when you're working on things with people or, or environments. People generally... You know, gravitate towards looking for, you know, um, recognition, and so people t- tend to dish it out quite a bit. But it's more when you receive criticism or negative feedback that you tend to like latch onto it, mm. and it kind of like you latch onto it and you you turn it into something much bigger and scarier than it actually is. Mm. Mm. So something fairly small could you know manifest into to this you know, deep, dark nightmare inside of yourself mm. where you beat yourself up for days or weeks over mm. something ins- insignificant. Mm. And I think a lot of people, when they're in that situation, once you let someone else's or an external negative opinion of what you did get to you, then you start questioning, like, why am I letting this get to you? And then it just triggers a chain of negative thoughts. Yeah, you just get caught up in this feedback loop. <laughs> <laughs> like, why am I thinking this? Uh, why am I thinking this about thinking this? Uh, why am I thinking this about thinking this about thinking this? Oh, I'm such a terrible human. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck you, Paolo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and then you also start thinking that, well, I'm the only one who's thinking this. Like, everyone else around me doesn't get so trapped in this negative loop. But I think a lot of people do because we have this negativity bias to see out of a hundred comments, you see 99 good ones and you see one negative bit of feedback. And what do you focus on? Oh, fuck it. Do you that person <laughs> tell me that I'm fucking don't look good in red? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, so I guess thinking about that and how other people's opinions affect people with an imposter syndrome or this idea that they're a fraud. What are some things that you've done to combat that? Uh, uh it's, pretty tough like i i'm not too sure exact things that i've done um i've definitely taken steps over um the years the biggest biggest step that i took for myself was like realizing that there was something that was driving these feelings um and taking the time to kind of sit with myself and figure all this out um realizing that there was more to me like there was, there was something that was holding me back um, in terms of my like self-confidence and belief in myself. Mm. So um, an internal element. Yeah, yeah, understanding that like I like no one else was responsible for how I was feeling or what motivated and demotivated me um, and that it wasn't like I shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm. Um, like realizing that was a pretty big big thing for me and taking the the time to to sort of look inside look internally and figure all this out um but it didn't happen overnight it took a a very long time Mm. like i'm talking like years (laughs) do you think journaling was probably a powerful thing being able to sit down and ask yourself these questions yeah why do i actually feel this way yeah i mean definitely 100 percent. like everyone works and everyone like we're, we're all incredibly complex creatures in our own right. Like no one's the same and you've got like so many different, you know, variables about how you think and react and, you know, what 
works for you and what doesn't but for me like i could never really make sense of my thoughts like I'm, I'm, things are always flying in and out of my head like it's it's a it's a minefield in there <laughs> so being able to sit and actually like just write and get things out on paper so that i could go back and dissect how i was actually feeling was big because like i think of something and like a minute later i'd have no idea what the fuck i was thinking about yeah. like so getting it down and then being able to reread things over and go oh, okay well, i was thinking that like why was i thinking that though yeah. and then write some more yeah. <clears throat> and it's just about like uncovering those layers yeah. and like you know just working your way through to the roots of the issues and why you're feeling a certain way yeah. um so for me that was incredibly powerful do you think that helped you understand yourself more yes and do you think that understanding of yourself, so let's call it self-awareness, do you think that allowed you then when you got negative opinions from other people or you got external feedback that wasn't ideal or positive, do you think it allowed you to be like, oh, okay, like that's fine? Yeah, well, it helps. It's uh, like self-awareness is, yes, like that's a term, but also self-acceptance, acceptance of oneself. And rather than running away from all of the negative things that I'd done, or the negative thoughts and feelings that I had, just accepting them as part of myself mm. um, was a huge thing. Mm. So being like, okay, no, that is part of me. That's part of who I am. Sure, it's a less desirable part, but I've done this. Here's the reasons why. Okay, cool. This is how I can channel that energy that I used to use for these you know, self-destructive um, tendencies, um, how I can channel that in positive, constructive ways. Mm. So self-acceptance i think is the, the 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 term for that that one there but um yeah i mean definitely it's sorry what was the question again <laughs> <laughs> down the rabbit hole the question was like okay so let's call it self-acceptance once you accept yourself for not only the positives but also the negatives and you realize well, well actually the negatives kind of are positives anyway because it makes me who i am does it feel like the opinions and the assumptions of others yes, matter yes. less? Yes, sorry, of course. Man, yeah. I had like fucking brain blanks there. Mate, you were down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so definitely, the, like, especially receiving negative feedback. Um, man, now it's like it's much easier to channel it in a way that's constructive. So it's like, oh, okay, like I, if, I, if I do receive negative feedback or someone says something negative, about anything i generally kind of ask myself a couple of questions like okay so how credible is this person mm. like oh okay um it's just like you know a heroin addict who is just yelling abuse at me for no reason okay cool let's disregard that mm. <laughs> that, that's you know it's, you know doesn't doesn't mean anything mm. if it's an industry professional or someone you know that you respect then it's like okay this is like how can i you know change or adjust what i'm doing to to pivot in a way that's you know going to be productive or positive and you know move forward yeah and i guess even if the comment is loaded with uh profanity or things that are quite offensive like they're telling you oh this is fucking shit um i guess you can look at that and when you're able to accept yourself and be like yeah okay like i make mistakes whatever when you look at that comment, you can ask yourself, like, okay, is there actually any truth in this comment? And is there anything I can use? Yeah, just just by being able to dissect um, what's valid and what, what isn't. I mean, you know, like, you're always going to have people that, 
like people, especially when you're when you're starting to drive to a really, like drive your own life to a really successful place, and you're starting to gain ground and move faster. You're always going to have people who are being left behind who look at you and they. It's easy to express anger and and hate and resentment, and sometimes they channel it in ways that are. I don't know if it's intentional for them to do so, but you know, some people put a lot of energy into into driving negative negativity towards mm. people who are moving forward and an attempt to I don't know either hold them back or slow them down. Mm. Um, so it's understanding the difference between those sorts of comments and that sort of feedback and stuff that's actually valid and coming from a, a good place mm. or a place of you know wanting to to help you improve mm. um, what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, 100%. And I think a lot of the time, those people that are shouting abuse or trying to hold you back or pull you down, it's coming from a place deep within them as well. They've probably got their own imposter syndrome and they don't feel significant in their lives because you're doing well and they're not. So it's once you're able to accept that and accept yourself and be like, you know what, not everyone's going to like me, mm-hmm. then you can... <clears throat> look at those comments and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, now, especially, like, in the past, man, I was always trying to be someone else. Mm. You're always trying to be someone that you think other people will like. Mm. And you're always trying to be someone that, you know, is palatable for everyone. Mm. Everyone's going to like that guy, you know. It's not me, but I'm going to pretend to be this person because everyone's going to like him. Mm. And sure enough, man, like, not everyone likes likes that person anyway. So it's yeah. just it's just this... It's this paradox of, you know, it doesn't matter what you do or who you try to pretend to be. Mm. There's always going to be people that don't like whoever the fuck you're, you're trying to be. So, mm. like, why pretend to be someone else? Just be yourself. Like, people aren't going to like that person. Some mm. people aren't. And mm. that's okay. Mm. Like, man, if you don't like me, that's okay. That's cool. Like, yeah. maybe just fucking unfollow me and stop talking to me. Mm. <laughs> and do you think that realization um, helped you... Um, I guess get past imposter syndrome. Yeah, feel like you're listening for it. Yeah, man. I mean, hundred percent. I was always terrified to put myself in more kind of public um, public settings. Like, I was always afraid to put myself on a pedestal and promote myself as myself. If that makes sense, um, you know, put myself in uncomfortable situations where I'd be exposed to new people, new things. I was always very happy living in this little bubble where I was kind of like to this left and out of the limelight because that meant less people would judge you. Yeah, exactly. I'd receive and less. potentially give you bad comments. Yeah, exactly. I'd always stick to the people that I knew or I'd developed relationships with, or you know, like especially especially in work. I mean, working in entertainment, um, and like that's a very um, public kind of setting and you're exposed to a lot of different people all the time so trying to minimize that as much as possible so that you could um, you wouldn't have people you know say bad things about you <laughs> mm. um, was very very big for me mm. um, but now I don't really care yeah um, now it's like oh, okay cool like whatever yeah and when you're able to accept that there's always going to be negative comments and that there is going to be continuous failure you actually free yourself up to achieve so much more greatness right yeah yeah definitely i mean 100 percent. you've just taken the you've taken the chains off you've rather than living inside of you know a cage know, a metaphorical cage yeah well yeah i mean yeah 100 percent. you've kind of like 
you know, now in a, a garden and you can go and pick some apples or you can pick some oranges. Mm. It just depends on how you feel. Sometimes you get a sour orange, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess kind of shifting a little bit, um, how do you think imposter syndrome affected your relationships with self and with others? Uh, I hated myself <laughs> for a very long time. And how did that reflect on others? Um, well, I mean, yeah, very negatively. For a long time, I hated like everything about myself from my parents to you know like how I was as a person to you know the things that I would do um the way I would act towards people or you know I just didn't I just I'd look in the mirror and I'd I'd kind of like I wouldn't see myself I'd see past myself if that makes mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. like I wouldn't want to see myself <laughs> it's a it's very hard to describe the 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 that kind of relationship um especially now like looking back like being like fuck man like i was pretty broken mm. um but yeah it was it was a very very bad relationship with myself um and that like it's hard to say but it really spilled over into every aspect of my life um and family friends relationships mm. um it was I always used to think that, you know, friendships wouldn't work and relationships wouldn't work because of it was the other person's fault. And who knows, to a degree it might have been. Like they might have been dealing with their own shit and then together we came and, you know, combined all of our, you know, bad shit and created a clusterfuck of terrible shit. <laughs> <laughs> but that's besides the point. Um, I mean, the majority of the time looking back, like things would fail relationships friendships um would break down because i wanted them to break down mm. um because i was sabotaging myself mm. you felt you weren't worthy yeah dude i was just like wow this person's amazing oh, time to cut that tie hey <laughs> snip snip um, yeah. um but it wasn't like a, it was incredibly um like a really underhanded conniving way of doing it i didn't realize i was doing it um mm. and I didn't realize, but I'd, I was manipulating people into, you know. Taking the blame for you in a way? Yeah, taking the blame, but also manipulating them into a corner where I'd, where they'd kind of have no choice but to, you know, start acting in a certain way towards me, which would give me the opportunity to be like, oh, well, fuck, this is your fault. I'm out. Mm, mm. Um, so, like, understanding those like that was incredibly sad, but mm. um, but very powerful. Like I probably I fucked up heaps of relationships <laughs> uh, with really amazing people. Um, like yeah, like really good humans. Mm. Um, but you know, uh, it's 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 good now because of like now I can now I'm growing some really amazing relationships with some really amazing people. Um, so the coins like flipped mm. and. Like, do you think that's a testament to your ability now that you've accepted yourself to take responsibility for your own actions yeah yeah definitely i mean there's nothing like i surround myself with the people that i want to surround myself with now and mm. i'm i'm not i'm very selective i wouldn't say selective um but i'm like if someone's not on the same wavelength then it's much easier to um you know not be a dick mm. but also not you know, create a, 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 an environment where we both have the opportunity to 
drag each other down. Mm. Not by anyone's fault, but just because, like, I can see that, you know, like our energies or our motivations or our values aren't lined up. Mm. There's no point trying to, you know, smash your head into a brick wall to break through it, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, people are people, and some people just don't, you know, connect, and that's fine. But, um, yeah, in the, in, the, in the past, going, sorry, I digress, um, <laughs> going backwards, um, especially, you know, on that point, um, I was completely the opposite. I would surround myself with people who I, this wasn't intentional, by the way, like looking back, I've been able to figure this out, that I would surround myself with people who I knew were more fucked up than me <laughs> because mm-hmm. that made me feel better about myself and like I was normal. Mm. So I'd be like, oh, that person's like suffering from severe psychological issues and mm. clearly has some, some heavy shit going on. Let's mm. be friends <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to feel a lot more normal about myself yeah, and my right. issues, um, which is a terrible thing. Like it's fucking horrific. But, you know, people who are going through hardships tend to gravitate towards uh, one another and, you know, it's a very destructive loop mm. um, because then, you know, they can get, they can feed upon each other and, you know, pass blame mm. to everyone but themselves and, you know, shit. It's just a downward spiral. Yeah, exactly. And I was very much caught up in that. So what were some of the turning points that made you realize and like snap out of that downward spiral that, we, <clears throat> that you were in? Because obviously there wasn't just one main thing that happened, but what were some of the big turning points for you um well it had happened over like i said it happened over a very long period of time i was always on this like roller coaster of like up and down like realizing things weren't right um but also not wanting to put the effort into not wanting to take responsibility yeah was, yeah exactly it was terrifying to do that to like man even when you start to like scratch the surface like you see some things and you're like whoa nope let's close that book mm. Shut that away, put it in the chest, lock it, lock it up, throw mm. away the key and tuck, tuck it under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, going through that kind of yo-yo over, over a couple of, couple of years, um, there was a lot of different, different points that kind of made me revisit it every now and then. But I think the biggest part was, you know, like waking up and just feeling this like numbness um, in myself. Like this numbness towards everything. Mm. So, how long ago was this? A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago. And that started you on the path to. Yeah, I mean. Freeing yourself from imposter syndrome. It's really scary waking up and realizing you don't give a fuck about your family. Mm. Like, that is terrifying. Mm. Realizing you don't give a fuck about your family. Like, Mm. having a moment of clarity where you. You literally go, wow, I don't give a fuck about my family. Mm. That's not cool. And what about yourself? Did you give a fuck about yourself? Nah, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, so those were probably the, the biggest kind of, that was the spark mm. um, that made me realize like, okay, holy shit, you got to like, something's got to change. Like you got to, something's not right. Mm. You got you to start figuring this out. Mm. And yeah, I mean, it would spiral up and down, you know, I'd have, you know, a good, two or three months of, you know, good self-development, good self-growth, and then, holy fuck, hey, let's dive back down that rabbit hole and, you know, put the covers back on. Mm. Um, 
and then I'd go, you know, back down, mm. and then you know, climb back up. Mm. I'd, I'd liken it to, you know, being stuck in a pit, like this pit of your mind, and you try and start climbing out, but then you know you put your hand on a rock, and the rock will like pull away, pull away, and then you fall back down. Mm. So it was very, very much like that. Um, but yeah. Do you think the difference now is you have more of a definitive purpose of why you're doing what you're doing and why you're becoming the person you're becoming? Yeah, I think I'm not too sure like what I would call it, but it's almost now that I'm like, now I'm standing on top of the pit looking down, you know, I'm on solid ground. Mm. Like I've climbed out and I can look in and I can see everything. I can see all the snakes. But it's not tempting anymore. Not so much tempting. I wouldn't say tempting. Like, before I think it was it wasn't like a temptation like it, it was an escape mm. you're seeking comfort yeah exactly and now like standing on top of that pit looking in you're like man that's really gonna fucking hurt if I jump into that pit <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm gonna sprain my ankle and I'm gonna set myself back from yeah exactly so, so now there's like no there's no desire mm. whereas before you're stuck in there so it's much harder to like risk climbing out and falling in Mm. If that makes sense. Mm. Yeah, I feel that. I think that'll be a good metaphor. Stories are so good for people to understand things. And I think the pit reference is a really good story and metaphor for people to understand. All right, if I'm stuck in this pit, I need to get myself on solid ground. I need to accept Dude, myself. Man, like, you got to accept yourself, but also ask someone to throw you a rope. Yeah. Like, talking to anyone is huge. And mm. dude, you threw me a massive rope. Being mm. able to talk to you mm. has like exponentially sped up the process yeah yeah and that's powerful too and that's a lot of people see that as weakness right it comes back to vulnerability and it's not being vulnerable enough to go holy shit i need help is one of the bravest things anyone can ever do mm. one of the bravest 100 percent. i had this conversation with laban the other day we're talking about addiction mm-hmm. um, and he said exactly the same thing when he went to call the gambler's helpline he was terrified and he was crying and he thought he was weak and he thought he was soft. And when he actually did it, it just all of the clouds disappeared. And he was like, oh, hold on. This is the bravest thing I've ever fucking done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, congrats for that. Because you're standing on a solid foundation now. And now all you have to do is just keep building up and surrounding yourself with people who are willing to give you the tools to do so. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, 100%, man. Yeah. And cool. Well, let's... Um, I guess let's break it down into it. If someone's listening to this and they... Yeah, not beatbox break down. Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, for anyone who's listening to this who feels as if they are stuck in the viper pit, let's call it, um, and they're suffering deeply from imposter syndrome, they feel like they're a fraud, they feel like everyone thinks they're a failure, they feel like they're a failure, and they don't think they're worth it to, to become a successful person or to accept themselves... What are the key things that you think they need to do? We've talked about acceptance and responsibility. Do you think those are important? And and what are some of the other things that you are working on now or things that you think are important? Man, I, I mean, it's probably varies from person to person, but like... Let's make it super simple. Super simple. Like, if you... At first, it comes down to the person actually being able to realize. Mm. Um, so once you once you realize and you go, okay, well, I think I've got some something going on here. Um, like you need to like have some time first, you got to get yourself off any fucking substances that you're using to like numb your mind. Mm. So take a few weeks off the booze or the fucking Coke or the fucking ketamine or whatever the fuck you're all the social media, man. all the social media. Yes. 100% man. Throw your, 
phone and a like draw for a couple of days like have, give yourself some time to like think mm. um like put yourself in an environment where you can actually confront yourself it's 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 very hard but being able to do that like is a massive massive step to to like understanding and like starting to go okay like i need to move find a way to move forward here yeah um, you're enabling yourself to take action when you yeah. accept the reality and exactly and you're yeah. you're setting yourself up for failure when you just surround yourself with anything that's easily easy to distract yourself mm-hmm. like if you if you you know if you're feeling bad or like you know you're feeling like something's not right oh let's jump on facebook and check out that sweet little dog video hey mm. <laughs> i love Cat dogs memes, yeah. i love dogs now i feel better yeah. um, but yeah whatever it is booze drugs social media you know anything like get it out of your get it out of your room get it out of your house just yeah give yourself some time yeah i guess in the in a way as well that's sitting with yourself and facing your darkness like yeah. you know what it is okay to sit in your room for an hour and cry yeah. And be like, holy shit, I'm fucked up. Yeah, a few weeks ago, I cried like a little girl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it feels good. Yeah, and um, yeah, that was a that was, yeah, being able to do that like hundred percent is is a massive, um, massive step to mm. to mm. moving forward. But also exercise. Mm. I know some people don't like exercising, but even getting outside, getting some sunshine, going for a walk, um, just feeling the wind, feeling mm. like elements just putting yourself in that moment is really powerful mm. um for me any form of exercise um you know get some hobbies mm. find some things that you're truly passionate about that you know uh like constructive you know anything that like starts using that other side of your brain you mm. know that gets like those creative juices flowing like uh, you don't have to be good at it like you can draw stick figures if you want like, mm. fuck whatever mm. but just something to like you know, productively and constructively channel any sort of energy that you have mm. that is, you know, not standing in that cubicle, like fucking putting your nose up to a, a phone screen. <laughs> <laughs> I guess as well, when you're doing something like that, something creative and you're starting new, like let's say you're learning how to paint, you actually, by starting in the beginning and going through the process, you learn how to be okay with failure because you see yourself get better and better along the process, but then you're also enjoying it at the same time. Like, yeah, yeah, just something, you know, something, you know, get a coloring book mm. if you're terrible at painting. <laughs> Kids like three plus coloring book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Color in the lines. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's always, there's lots of little things. Diet, diet's mm. fucking huge. I mean, I haven't really had a, a problem with diet, but I mean, it goes back to that, you know, that escapism kind of you know form of of solution mm. um where if i was feeling bad then i'd just like binge eat some terrible stuff from Uber Eats. <laughs> it's weird right when we're feeling shit we almost subconsciously our ego convinces us to do something that'll make us feel even more shit because apparently that'll give us comfort yeah oh, it's, it's okay it's the food that's making me feel shit it's yeah not, it's good not my mind. Truly, that's an excuse right yeah mm. and what about like putting yourself specifically talking about um, imposter syndrome? Did you find that putting yourself in uncomfortable situations, s- gradually getting more exposure to them helped? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like obviously at the start, like once I when I this was a I think this was a a, a few steps down the down the track, um, 
initially I didn't initially it was still like running in the same circles same situations setting myself up for failure mm. but taking small steps to on the outside to you know figure out what was going on and why I was doing those things but once you know you start you know experiencing this personal growth then you realize that you need to take yourself out of um, the situations that you've been putting yourself in so you start I started looking for um, much much more uncomfortable situations to put myself in so things that you know previously I told myself that I was not good enough to accomplish or mm. not good enough to take on or responsibilities that were too big I just thought yeah fuck it let's give it a go mm. and then if I you know was finding it difficult it's pretty easy to ask for help <laughs> do you think I think that brings to the next point when you are putting yourself in these uncomfortable situations do you think it's important to surround yourself with people that are gonna egg yeah. you on instead of like tell you that you suck and you're a failure yeah I mean 100% like say I'm trying to think of an example here so say for instance um I don't know, you've got a passion for, what's a good passion? Give me something here. Soccer. Soccer, okay. So you've got a passion for soccer. Mm. Okay, you're not going to go and, but you say you don't know how to play soccer, but you've got a passion for soccer. You're not going to go and fucking try out for like the A1 division and throw yourself into like somewhere where you're obviously going to be rejected mm. or like you don't know what you're doing, but you're going to, you know, just go down like sign up for a social team <laughs> like if you're if you're too scared to play soccer before go and sign up for a social team like you know? so it's that gradual exposure yeah to exactly exactly 100 percent. it's like you know slowly like getting into the pool that's cold yeah. mm. oh actually no that's that's a terrible metaphor because sometimes it's way easier just jump straight in yeah. <laughs> um but yeah i mean it, it's 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 about doing things that are it's about the one percent changes right yeah, exactly. So gradually, gradually be 1% more uncomfortable with something each day and 100%. prove to if yourself you, that, you know what, I can if actually you, do if you try and If you try and take on the, like, if you try and eat a whole fucking cake, like, you're going to shit your pants. I actually did. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's why. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to take the cake one by one. That's a yeah. different story for a different oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but, like, if you if you try and, you know, overload yourself up with, if you if you wake up and go, today's the day. Mm. I'm going to change every single fucking thing about me. Mm. And you load your calendar up with, you know, 10 things a day that you're going to do. You're just going to overwhelm you're yourself. You're going to overwhelm yourself. And I guarantee you, like, in two days, you're going to be back, like, in your bed until fucking 2 p.m. Mm. in the afternoon with mm. the covers up. Mm. Yeah, so don't eat the entire cake, but also don't be afraid to take a bite at a time, right? Oh, yeah. Mm. It's a delicious cake. Yeah. Don't mm. eat an entire cake, guys. Pick the icing. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. Well, I think like that's that's some pretty helpful tips and steps. What are some tools you use? Like you mentioned journaling. Um, um, yeah, journaling. Um, I don't know. Well, there's probably tools for different people. Like it depends on what you're... What are some of the ones that, that you would recommend? Like journaling is a big one for yeah. sure, and I totally agree with that. Journaling, reading is pretty cool. Mm. I enjoy a bit of reading. Um, some audio books, just looking like, man, technology is here mm. and it's here to stay. Mm. So use it to your advantage. Like there's, there's some terrible things about technology, um, but there's some amazing things about it. So mm-hmm. there are so many different like health apps, wellness apps. There's fucking, there'd be like close to a billion videos on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And so many of them are incredibly um, 
powerful and useful. Mm. You can literally Google search anything that you're thinking about or wanting to change, and there's going to be some someone in a corner of the earth with some useful steps on how to mm. go about doing that. Mm. So mm. I don't have all the answers. Mm. You don't have all the answers, but mm. man, technology is here and it's mm. incredibly powerful. Yeah, I think some other ones that I've noticed you. Um, some tools that I've noticed you utilizing and some that I've utilized in my, my life as well are things like exercise is yeah. a big one as exercise, well. Exercise has always been a massive part of my mm. life. Mm. And I like I think if I wasn't such an active person and I didn't always have that as a core pillar, I would probably be in a much, much worse place. Mm. Mm. Like yes. if I didn't have exercise in, as an outlet, as a constructive positive outlet, I would have probably suffered much, much mm. more than I did. What about meditation? Um, I have done a little bit of it. Um, it's something that I would like to do more of. Um, but I'm still working on, you know... Being comfortable with your own thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah 100%. Like, it's, I do a bit of it. I need to do more of it. I think it's an incredibly powerful thing. I'm actually reading a book by Mark Epstein, Advice Not Given, mm. which is a... Um, a book about how he used uses Western psychology with the Eastern Buddhism um, and how it combines the two practices um, to, um, you know, improve his overall well-being and, you know, understand himself fully. Um, and that dives into meditation, the, the, the uses for meditation and how it's not a be-all, end-all. Um, a lot of people think that meditation is this, um, this you know... Holy grail. Yes, this holy grail, one-stop, fix-all solution. But unless you're doing it for the right reasons, um, with the right intent, then it probably won't have the effects that you're looking it's for. probably just going to frustrate you more. <laughs> exactly. And I don't think I have the right intent yet mm. um, and the right, um, you know, base foundation to attempt it yet mm. properly so i think that's an important point too like anyone who's sitting there feeling as though they're imposter you need to have the intent to change you need to have the willingness to take responsibility for your own shit because no one no one is going to do it for you it's no. quite simple as that you yeah. can find people that will empower you and help you do it yourself but no one's going to do it for you exactly that's the let's like you're you're in control like mm. you're driving driving this car Awesome, man. Well, I think you're driving your car pretty fucking well at the moment. You've got a little way to go, but you're fucking, you're cruising. Cheers, bro. High five. Oh, my shoulders. Oh. <laughs> Welcome to 30. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool, man. Well, let's, uh, I think we've covered the main bulk of it. And hopefully anyone listening there who's suffering from imposter syndrome, we've given them some value. I'm sure we have. But let's move on to the next section I'm calling the four and one. So I'm going to ask you four questions. A couple of them are serious. A couple of them aren't. And then you get one question for me. Cool. Let's Sick. do it. Okay. What was it? The four one one. Four and one. Oh, four and one. Yeah, it's my Kiwi mumbling. Oh, cool. Sure. <laughs> uh, awesome, man. So the first one is, tell me about a painful experience, 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 which led to the most growth. So the first thing that comes to mind, a really painful experience that's led to massive growth in your life. Um, it was actually realizing. Uh, except well it was realizing that a relationship was really broken mm. and rather than hiding from it like confronting it yeah awesome that that was like you you make up a lot you you 
it's easy to make up excuses to mm. and tell yourself that you're happy, but but yeah, I mean, admitting to myself that I was really unhappy, mm. um, that was yeah, that was incredibly powerful. And yeah, there's like you said, there's power in that. And th- it's funny when people sit there and they're thinking, "Oh man, something's not right here," and they hide it and they don't talk about it. Quite often, the other person's thinking exactly the same thing. You're like, fuck, I wish we just talked about this. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Yeah. Second question. All right, this one's a little bit uh, funnier. So, it's 2024, and the US president presidential elections are happening once again. But this time, the two people running for election are DJ Khaled and Kanye West. Who do you vote for? Another one. <laughs> Does that mean you'd vote for DJ Khaled? Yeah, man. DJ Khaled, dude. You see so many, like, I, just the press conferences would be hilarious. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, America, you smart, you loyal, we love you. <laughs> DJ Khaled, baby. Another term, another one. Yeah, like, that, right. would, that would just be the best. Kanye, like, he's cool, but, man, that guy's a fucking space cadet. <laughs> awesome. Next question. Who is the DJ who inspired you the most? The DJ that inspired me the most. You can only pick one. Oh, fuck, man. Honestly, DJ Sean Linehan. Hey, another shout out, mate. Man, that guy, like, he has done more for me than he realizes. He is literally, like, you're my brother, but he is also, he's my, he's bro- your brother he's, too. He's my brother in another sense. Like, awesome. he's family. Wicked. Um, okay. And what is, this one's a little bit harder. What is the number one focus for you over the next five years? Uh, oh, that's incredibly tough. It depends on how long these lockdowns last, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Let's presume it over the last five years. What's the number one focus? I don't think um, it really matters either. I don't... Uh, honestly... Oh, shit. <laughs> this one's actually pretty tough. Um, I've got... I've got a lot of different focuses, but I think the f- main focus, the, like, overarching theme between all of the different like projects and you know things that i would like to do and achieve is to approach them with empathy understanding and um, a sense of perspective Mm. so i think that's the biggest focus for me is being able to you know approach everyone in every situation with you know that sort of mindset so Mm. that i can it's that nothing is reactive or confrontational and like when it doesn't need to be like so i can really you know properly understand people Mm. to be more understanding more empathetic and to be more proactive about your life yeah yeah 100 percent. awesome dude well you get one question for me Mm, okay well i might be a little bit cheeky here and uh expand this a little bit but what a five things that oh god <laughs> one question into five. <laughs> no no well it's 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 I, I think it's it's good to have pillars mm. so i would like you um to share with us what are five things um that anyone who has i don't know never started any sort of personal development or feels like they're in a position where they um could potentially start you know, trying to become more comfortable with themselves. Um, I'd like you to just, just give us five things that anyone can do that can help enrich their lives. 
help enrich their lives. Yeah, just en- enrich enrich themselves in a way, you know, that's going to help them become a better human. Are you talking about like physical actions or steps they take? Or well, hey, mate, this is uh, this is four and one. Okay, you've already had your question. <laughs> <laughs> I need some context here. Uh, just man, just any five things that pop into your head that you think are going to be beneficial to anyone to to do tomorrow. Mm, mm. Okay, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, look, I don't think people would be. I think you'd overwhelm yourself if you did all of these five things tomorrow. But let's try and make it simple. First, face your darkness. So face the negative and the positive aspects that make up who you are. So whether that be through journaling, and I think journaling is probably the best method, or meditation, just choose uh, some way of asking yourself the questions, who am I really? Who are my bad parts? Or what are my bad parts? What are my good parts? What makes me me? Right. So face your darkness. Two would be to take action, any sort of action that will get you closer to becoming the person you are. So whether that be waking up and putting your shoes and walking out the house to go for a run, not even going for a run, just the fact that you took that small action, that 1% little change is powerful. Third thing would be to cut ties with people that are bringing you down and to build relationships with people that are empowering you. Another one would be, and this is on a personal one, what are your principles? What is the core of who you are? Like, what guides you in life? What guides you shouldn't be f- familial ties, you know, what your family thinks you should do, what work thinks you should do, what the external thinks you should do. What do you think you should do each day? So create a set of principles for yourself. So that's four, was it? Yeah, that's four. Uh, and the fifth one is to just lead with love. There's two things that control everything in the world, love and fear. Either You choose to lead with love, so you choose to be empathetic, accepting, focus on the things you can be grateful for, focus on the beautiful things in the world, focus on the things you can control, being proactive, or you choose to lead with fear and create doubt around yourself, focus on the negative aspects in life, complain all the time, make excuses. The decision is yours, so choose to lead with love. So that's probably the five things. Oh, well, I love you, mate. Oh, cute. I love you too. (laughs) Thanks heaps for doing this. Um, I think that's the end of the podcast, and we've gone for a wee while. (laughs) Um, But yeah, man, I think you're on an amazing path, and I'm super proud of you. I think this is a really brave thing you've done. You've been umming and ahhing about doing a podcast for a while, so this is, in my eyes, a pretty big step for you. Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Serious. And for anyone out there who's trying to get a hold of you in particular, obviously they know that we run our own company together, Massey Bros, which is on Instagram, at M-A-S-S-I-E underscore B-R-O-S. But if anyone wants to get in touch with you in particular and just share their story or just talk, where's the best place for them to get in touch? Uh, man, honestly, probably if you're familiar with Massey Bros, then you can definitely ask to me, for me on the messenger through the, the portals there. Otherwise, I'm on Instagram, hello Massey. Um, How do you spell that for people who don't know? Uh, so I've actually, because I'm a DJ, I've, uh, <laughs> I've dropped one of the S's from Massey. So it's M-A-S-I-E. So it's P-A-U-L-O-M-A-S-I-E. And the only reason I did that is because the logo looked better. <laughs> <Nothing> what else? <laughs>